With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Dan Baer's interview with the re-recording mixers for Moon Age Daydream, Paul Massey and David Giamarco. Are you there, David? You're aware of a deeper existence. Are you there, David? Are you there, David? Maybe a temporary reassurance that, indeed, there is no beginning, no end. And you find yourself struggling to comprehend a deep mystery. Welcome, everyone, to the next Best Picture podcast, where we are talking with the re-recording mixers from the film Moon Age Daydream. David Giamarco and Paul Massey. David, Paul, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you both doing? Doing well. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having us. Very good. It's great. We're very excited to talk to you guys. Moon Age Daydream was one of my personal favorite films from last year. And it's a very unique film, I think, in terms of specifically in terms of documentaries about a specific musical artist and because it's so different and how it's structured and put together is so unique i was wondering how the project was originally pitched to you before you were actually signed on to working on it well um neither of us had ever met brett before brett morgan our director and um Brett apparently was doing some experimentation. He'd been working on this for several years, and it was in early stages. This was, I believe, in 2020. And he had done a little uh, a sound mix on a section of the film for IMAX, and he thought he was coming up with some revolutionary ideas. And um, he, he took it to uh, IMAX headquarters here in Playa del Rey in L.A. and um, and played it and was was quite disappointed with what, had, what he had done sound wise um and there was a representative there from imax who who knew me and knew dave and um knew about the work i'd done on on bohemian rhapsody and so he suggested to brett have you heard the live aid section of, of bohemian rhapsody and brett said no and he said let me play it for you and so he played it and brett was like okay that's what i want who did this <laughs> and so <laughs> I then got a call out of the blue from Brett Morgan. I didn't know who he was at the time, shamefully. And um, and we talked uh, for about an hour. And a couple of months later, he called back and said, "Okay, I'm getting closer. I want you to. I want to get a crew together. Or, you know, who do you suggest?" So of course, I recommended Dave because we worked together for um, on so many projects for so many years. And then um, for editorial, I suggested, well, look, you liked what was going on in Bohemian Rhapsody. Why don't we get John Warhurst and Nina Hartstone, who were the supervising sound editors on that, to do to do this work for you here? And even though they're located in the UK, Brett was up for the idea and he went with it and uh, it worked out very well. 
the film certainly sounds great. So yes, I would say it does. It did work out um, pretty well. You know, he said that, you know, the film, he originally was planning on it and doing it, designing it for IMAX, right? And then once you start working on it, obviously, eventually, you know that this is going to be screened in a variety of different formats and eventually down the line for home viewing. What sort of work do you guys do just in general to try to make sure that no matter what theater sound you're seeing this film with, you're getting as close to the same experience as possible, um, both in general and for Moon Age Daydream specifically? Well, um, right from the beginning, wanted to have a, a very immersive mix. Um, and the, and he knew IMAX to give him that. And, and we mixed natively in Atmos, and we knew that Atmos would give him the same feeling that he could get from IMAX as far as the immersive uh, capabilities. So when we got to mixing it, we were working with Brett and pushing the boundaries on, on the immersive experience. We were playing things all around us in the room, uh, music and sound effects and um, really experimenting. And then, you know, we knew what we were doing with the Atmos mix and that it was going to translate well into IMAX on a spatial, a spatial level. Mm -hmm. So it really was, was making all the mixes to kind of give, keep a consistency between those mixes that gave Brett what he wanted in whatever format we were doing. And, and I think we were able to do that and, and make him feel that no matter if we were going down to five, one from an IMAX, yes, it's going to be, there are technical differences, but the, the, the way the movie feels and plays will maintain what the big, more expansive, immersive uh, formats give you. And if I could add, um, I, at the beginning, when Brett was talking, constantly talking about immersive, he wanted it to sound like a, he wanted it to, he wanted the audience to always be able to shut their eyes and feel like they're on a roller coaster and enjoy the show oh, wow. equally visually as well as from an audio standpoint. And when he said immersive, of course, Dave and I were immediately thinking Atmos immersive, but he wasn't just thinking Atmos immersive. He was thinking he wants the audience to be engaged on a physical level, on an emotional level. And he he actually pushed both of us, well, certainly for me, way beyond any boundaries I've ever done before in terms of mixing within the surround space, no matter what the format was. And like Dave said, we would start off with a base format, knowing full well from experience how that's going to translate into other formats with remastering, of course, not just a straight transfer. Um, but then it, when it came down to it, Brett wanted almost, I mean, we did the base mix. So we had our, we had our mix, our creative intent from all perspectives, including Brett's. And then we basically went through and remixed or remastered every single format. So we did IMAX 12.0, IMAX 5.0. We did Atmos 7151, home theater Atmos 7151 two-track. And he didn't just want the normal ways of transferring or, or remastering, rebalancing a dramatic film. He wanted almost a remix on every format to make sure that that immersive creative content and intent of his original mix went through to every single format. 
That sounds like a lot of work. Compared to what you would normally do on a project, <laughs> at least. Um, I imagine that most products you do not have to like recreate that mix essentially each time you have to to do it for each format. Correct. I mean, typically on a on a let's say a tempo release that's going to come out in Atmos, when it comes to home theater, we'll have maybe three days, maybe two days to create all the home theater formats. Mm. Um, Brett didn't want to take that path at all. We ended up <laughs> rebalancing quite considerably. I, I can imagine, and well, I mean, for for what it's worth, you know, when I saw it. Uh, I saw it in a Dolby theater, and it it really does feel like this thing is just constant sound, almost from from beginning to end. It always swirling around this like mass of sound that you can you know try to pick things out of it. Did Brett when he was putting this film together? Did he know what pieces of music? he wanted where in the film or was was it more like how, how did the process work did he have footage that he was editing to sound or did you have sound that they would then edit images to they feel so intertwined particularly in this in this film step into the world of power loyalty and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Well, I mean, kudos to Brett. He'd, he'd worked on this for several years before it, before he had even heard of us. And um, it was an incredibly fluid process. And I think for him, one that just evolved, 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 and it was constantly in flux. Um, some of the mashups of visual images and the mashups musically, pieces of music that weren't intended to ever play together and how they intertwined and how they cross-faded in and out of each other. Many, many instances where Dave had a lot of sound design that is musical and, and the music from David Bowie and John Warhurst's and, and Dave Giamarco's mixing um, of the sound effects, that those were intertwined to the point where you couldn't tell what was what, to be honest, in a good way. I don't think there's ever a moment in the film where there is no music, apart from where we fade to black in one or two instances. But the effects and the music were always instructed to be part of the narrative, part of the the emotion, um, and and constantly intertwined. So it's interesting that you picked up on that because that was um, always always Brett's intent and something we worked very hard to try and keep going. But as I say, it evolved. So he had the cut basically together by the time it came to us. But the sound design and how we all how we integrated the soundtrack, the music and the sound and the sound design into each other was always changing. That was that was uh, 
in many ways, we were lucky. We we had an, an initial schedule, which we got through, and of course, we weren't finished. But then everyone had other commitments, and so we had to pause and come back. And during those pause periods, it enabled Brett to rethink and to rework some sound design with Dave and John Warhurst, and to rework some of the music mashups. And then when we came back again, we had a fresh approach again, maybe on a section that we thought was completely finished, but we reworked it again. And so it evolved over several months throughout the year, not several months working every day, but over several months during the year, we were able to revisit and revisit and revisit. So it was just a big fluid evolution that at some points I wondered if it was ever going to stop. <laughs> that sounds like an, a really incredible process to watch as the film takes shape like that, as it constantly changes in some ways, because the film itself is kind of like that. It's constantly shape-shifting and changing as it goes. That's that's really fascinating. Picture and graphics were also changing as well as he was mm. as he was developing that. Um, that would come to us at say the next stage, you know, the next time we would regroup, we would have a different uh, visual palette for sound and vision, let's say. And, you know, we would work to that. And, and some of those things would come to us new and we would take a, a fresh approach at that, at that new sequence. Is there anything that you remember from one of those like earlier sessions that you thought was really cool or you were really proud of that ended up changing and not making it into the the final film i, th I think the opening sequence was very tricky um yeah it, it was so abstract and and could have been track laid and mixed a thousand different ways and none of them would have been wrong um brett had specific ideas and i think at the the first time around that we did it we were trying to understand what he wanted, but I think he also wasn't entirely 100% sure of what he wanted. And so for me, I thought we'd gotten to a good place with that opening sequence um, uh, the first time around. And uh, I think we were happy with it, right, Dave? And then and then we went back and we on it and we went back on it and we went back on it. And it, it constantly changed. Really happy with the way it's turned out. Um, but like I say, it, it, you know, what happens if we crossfade here two seconds later? Yeah, that would have worked as well. What happens if we fade out David's voice three seconds earlier? Yeah, we could have done that. What happens if we, you know, bring in the sound effects uh, from the surrounds? Yep, we could have done that. <laughs> but I mean, all of these things were just nothing was wrong. It was, right. I think, trying to find what Brett really wanted. Yeah, no rules. And what was interesting no too is I, Brett, I think Brett came in after being, you know, secluded for so long and just working himself on this project. And when he came to us initially, I think he was, he was a little more, a little more rigid or maybe a little more guarded in handing everything over to us. And then by the time, you know, as that it opened up, like the whole thing blossomed and, and where he became more, more and more fluid with things as well. Whereas initially, I know, in a, on a sound effects standpoint, he he wanted things a certain way. But by as we when we did spend a lot of time together, he opened up a lot more, and and it became quite rewarding to just sort of explore more and more to what this can ultimately be and do. 
Yeah, definitely. It became very, very collaborative. Once we had his trust and we tried to understand and we were understanding better what he was looking for, which was really pushing our boundaries and pushing the way we normally think about film, um, then it became a very solid unit on the stage of just Dave and Brett and myself. And, and Brett often refers to the fact it was really just the three of us. There was no editor. There was no cutting room. There was... You know, and then John and Nina and their crews were in the UK, so physically they were removed. So I, I think we became very tight as a working unit, the three of us on the stage, for several weeks, and, and it was it was great fun. Yeah, it sure sounds like a really incredible process to to put this together, and one that I'm sure was it seems very creatively fulfilling. We're just about out of time, but before we we left, I I wanted to ask you guys, you know. Moon Age Daydream was, I believe it was the first documentary to be shortlisted for the Oscar for the Best Sound Award. Um, wondering what that means to you as not just people who worked on the film, but as sound re-recording mixers who've worked on documentaries in generally. Um, yeah, I believe it was uh, the first for 30 odd years. I think Woodstock was the last yeah, one. Yeah, it's, it's been a very long time. Yeah, Long, long time. Uh, I mean, it was obviously very rewarding, very humbling that that would be recognized by the Academy. And personally, because, you know, because we had put such, we'd been such a tight knit group and we'd been uh, working so closely together and like all, we remixed all of the, all of the 24 tracks from David from scratch. We didn't take any of the, um, you know, the original two track mixes when the 24 tracks were available. Um, I mean, it was just frankly, very humbling and, and rewarding to be recognized in that way. And I, I just, we were so thrilled for Brett. I mean, what an, what an accomplishment really. Yeah. And he was very, very, I mean, he was, it sound is so important to him and for him to have his film recognized, I think it meant tremendous amount of, to him. It was really special. Yeah. Well, it's incredible to have, you know, documentaries get recognized for their craft. It happens too rarely. So it's something that I feel like should be celebrated whenever it does. And now you guys have another opportunity <laughs> that's rare in this business for another award at the Emmys. So. Yeah. We're rooting for you over here at Next Best Picture and best of luck to you on your next project and with this this upcoming <laughs> extra award season for you. <laughs> Thank you very Thank much, you so much, Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Dan Baer's interview with the re-recording mixers for Moon Age Daydream, Paul Massey and Dave Giammarco here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Moon Age Daydream is up for your consideration in all eligible categories for this year's Primetime Emmy Awards and is now available to stream on Max. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.